The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, brought to you by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. On today's show, rising gas prices, who's really to blame? Fuel saving tips, and how your driving affects your insurance. Plus, our special guest, award-winning pinstriper Larry Conway, the Brushman. That and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and Tim. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, a resident car nut and basketball poster to the stars. And you are tuned in to Bud's Garage Overdrive, an extension of Bud's Garage, the radio show, which is uh, airs on WDUN, AM 550, FM 102.9, out of Gainesville, Georgia. And uh, we like to take you to the long version of things, and that's why we do the podcast. So today, after we get to some automotive news, we have got a veteran pinstriper that's going to be our guest larry conway the brush man oh yeah and uh amazing stories he's got to tell from the beginning of doing pinstriping and custom car stuff stuff from the 50s so you're mm-hmm. going to want to stick around for that it's a it's a lot of fun listening to the stories and things that went on in the day but before we get to that we got some automotive news for the week so i came across and what i thought was an, inter- an interesting article about Who's to blame for gas prices? You've seen the stickers on the pumps. Oh, high, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and this article was written by a gentleman who obviously is a historian of, of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see if I can find his name. Theodore Decker. Right. right. And the gist of the article is who's, who, which president can we blame for America's love affair with the car? So with that said. Well, all right. Teddy Roosevelt. He, he, he blames Roosevelt. Right? Yeah. Here, here's the thing. Uh, Roosevelt did some great things, okay? Uh, first of all, he created 150 national forests, five national parks, 51 wildlife refuges, uh, 200 acres of America, the beautiful. All right? mm-hmm. He invited Booker T. Washington to dine at the White House. That was the first ever such invitation extended to a African-American. He was the first president to ride aboard and pilot a submarine. I didn't realize he had done that. And he was the first president to make a public appearance in a car. Yeah, see, there you go. Thereby jump-starting the American obsession with the automobile. Uh-huh. Interesting he uses the word jump-starting. Yes. Because the car was a Victoria automobile, and it was an electric vehicle. Oh. Ah, and he, he, he uh, was met by 10,000 cheering workmen who presented him with a floral horseshoe that declared working man's welcome to the president. See? See? But it was Taft ah. <laughs> who authorized uh, Congress in 1909 to appropriate $12,000 for the purchase of uh, two motor cars. And it doesn't say what those cars were, but $12,000 back then, that was a ton of money. Yeah. I well, mean, they weren't... They weren't Ford Model Ts or something. Was, no, they, no were, they were probably fancy cars. Well, yeah. well I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check into that a little bit further. But one of the Dep- Democratic representatives, Theda <laughs> Sims of Tennessee, proclaimed that the motor car was a dangerous means of travel, not only for the people who ride in it, but for the pedestrians. And it was all around general nuisance, and he was highly opposed to Congress 
going on record favoring automobiles as a means of travel. Still others might fault the president uh, who preceded Roosevelt, William McKinley, because he was the first president to ride in a car. Uh, the main problem with the first president to ride in a car was he rode in a steam-powered car. Mm. We forget about steam. Right. I wonder if anybody's working on steam nowadays. Man, I don't. I can't imagine. Well, you never know. You never yeah, know. Yeah, I guess. Yes, and, and then, uh, so we uncovered another flaw in the thinking here. Uh, he, Roosevelt preferred horses to a horsepower. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, his first uh, ride in an electric, in a car was an electric-powered car. Biden shows up in an electric car with thousands of cheering fans. We'll all go electric and the problem is solved, right? Oh, yeah, uh, no problem. Yeah. As we'll long just... as it was built in a union shop. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was thinking about that before. I don't know if it was before Biden got elected or after he got elected. They had pictures of him on the Internet in, in his Corvette. He's got a Corvette mm, oh, Stingray yeah. convertible. Right. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know what, Joe? You know, I've got a newer Corvette. Mm -hmm. And I get almost 30 miles to the gallon with that if I drive it sensibly. Yeah. I, I bet he's not getting 10, 12 miles to the gallon with that early model Corvette. Right. So. Well, so, I mean, I, uh, should I'll we bet even... he never puts gas in it either. So. Don't. Don't go loaning it to Hunter or whatever you do. <laughs> no telling where to wind up. There are a lot of moving parts to what's going on with gas prices. We're not going to go on the political side of it. Okay, there's, that's There's good. a lot of stuff going mm -hmm. on. All right. But we as just folks have got to put up with it to put right. gas in our car to go to work. Right. There are some things to make it simpler for you. Yes. And, and to save you some money. Absolutely. So the first thing is use the right grade of fuel for your car. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you've got a four cylinder car that's non turbo, putting high test in it is going to make it a race car. Right. And and vice versa. If you've got a high performance car, they are sophisticated enough now that you could probably come down to mid grade, mm -hmm. and the computer you won't have the performance necessarily. Right. But you but know you can, you can you can run the car on it. Right. And that's something to check your owner's manual. But on, the biggest you know. thing is. Get all the junk out of the car. Well, that's a good idea. You always talk about that in the springtime, just cleaning, you know, hoeing out your car. Right. And it's surprising. When Jan was a principal at the elementary school, they have the, the people that drive up to pick up their kids and stuff. She yeah. says, you'd, you'd open the door of some of the cars and, you know, half half a week's uh, supply of, of oh, yeah. junk, junk was in right. the back of the car. You right, know, and, right. Well, and you know, whatever. like those... Those three bags full of clothes that you're going to take to the donation Donate, center yeah, never, that, yeah, yeah, that haven't made that. their way out of your car yet for mm -hmm. four months, uh, Jody. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh drive the speed limit. <laughs> right. No drag racing. Uh, uh. <laughs> How about pump up your tires? Well, I was going to get to that. Okay. Well, then put I'll, some, I'll Put some, no, that's yeah. fine. Put, you know. I mean, I, I, me personally, I, I've got my tires at 40 pounds. Yeah. And well, that's something, you know, I, I was thinking about that when I was putting notes together. It used to be that we, we put, you know, 28 to 32 20, pounds in our tires. Uh -huh. That was it. But a lot of your newer design tires and your low-profile tires, mm -hmm. you know, they, it's kind of like a bicycle. They, they hold more, more air pressure right. to give you the ride and the handling that you need. They don't, they don't do well on the low pressures. No. And less rolling resistance when they're, when they're pumped up, for sure. Also... You want to check, get your alignment checked on your car. Let me, let me explain. Okay, explain that to me. <sighs> on, a, on a stock car that's going around a curved track, right, mm -hmm. a lot of guys will tow out the right front tire, mm -hmm. all right, to, to kind of grip, kind of 
digging point, it, point it into the track yeah, in yeah right right okay. and and it grabs the you know it, it grabs a track and, and points the car the direction you want to go mm-hmm. but on the street if you got a tire that's out you're actually driving a longer distance bear with me here in in scientifically you're actually driving a longer distance because you're causing more friction Okay. You talk about rolling resistance. Yes. You're causing more friction when I you've got it. alignment. It's like skiing. You know, if you got the skis towed out, mm-hmm. you're dra- you're dragging those skis. It slows you down. Right. Same kind of thing. Okay. So I all won't right. get, I I get won't it. get in all the physics of it, but wow, you, know, you actually are. One more thing. Put your kids on the school bus. Oh, now wait a minute. That's a very touchy subject. All right, to drop them off. I'm mm-hmm. good with that. But I rode a school bus all my life, and I grew up normal. Kind of. <laughs> I think that's a perfect example. <laughs> well, um, but, but, but kids, you know, the, the driver line, and I have picked up my grandkids from school uh, because they were, they were too young to be home alone and all that stuff. Um, but the driver line starts like at 2.15. They don't cut the kids to loose till 2.30. People would get there at noon to be first in the driver line. Right. They're sitting there with their car idling, idling the windows mm-hmm. up and the air conditioning up. Right. Yeah, you know, put yeah. the kids on the bus. That's what we pay school taxes for, and have sure. the buses, you know, utilize them. Because we're we're putting fuel in the buses, whether we got four kids on it or forty kids. Well, you got that right. So, you know, I, I think that's a good way to save some fuel and plan your trips. Mm-hmm. When I drove an electric vehicle back and forth to to uh, East Hall High School when I was teaching there, I I made it a, a point not to make left turns in that thing. Really? Yeah. I would always try to make stop. Well, because you only had so much range. When I first started driving the truck, it had like 25 miles worth of range, and it was like 24 miles to my house. So yeah, everything was critical. Yeah, and they do that with UPS and FedEx. Oh, I know. They UPS, plan the routes, yeah. So, yeah. No left turns. But the uh, most expensive and least expensive cars to insure. I, okay. You know, I got into this article, and I was going to harp on, you know, the least expensive, most expensive cars to insure. And then I found another page that was I thought was more interesting. We can talk about it. The the most expensive cars to insure are the Tesla Model S, the mm. Tesla Model 3, and the Infiniti Q50, which is an SUV. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's fine. Uh, those are the most expensive top three. You know what it was funny? On the least expensive, the cheaper vehicles, HHR was number one on the list as a cheap vehicle to insure. Oh, yeah. So I'll give you the top, or the lowest three to insure. The HHR, mm-hmm. the Chrysler Town & Country, and yep. the Subaru Forester. Oh, right. Because if you're driving any of those... Uh, you can go to Insurify and find out, you mm-hmm. know, the whole big they list. figure you're not going to be going much over 35 or 40 miles an hey, hour. Hey, now, the HHR <laughs> will... Oh, will, I know, I know. You had a turbocharged I, one. I, yeah, yeah, right, so, right, right. It'd go. So it would boil the front tires. The aggressive driving... Uh-huh. Aggressive drivers pay about $1,900 a year for insurance, opposed yep. to safe drivers that pay $1,400 a year for safe insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay, So I'm thumbing through this article, and yeah, most expensive, least expensive. What really caught my eye is the price of violations. Oh, What right. it costs you, right. an increase in your insurance. This is very interesting, in my humble opinion. All right? If you've got a clean record you're paying fourteen hundred dollars okay failure to stop at a stoplight will kick you up to eighteen hundred dollars speeding will kick you up to nineteen hundred dollars all right failure to stop at a stop sign yeah Mm -hmm. what's that nineteen hundred yeah there you go at fault accident twenty or two thousand dollars yep negligent driving two thousand and seventy 
failure stop for a school bus, they ought to take your license for that. That's twenty one hundred and ninety two bucks. Negligent driving. I thought that said negligent driving. Oh, <laughs> my eyes haven't quite kicked in yet. I don't know if that you can is, put it put just, it back in the glove box. Is that, is that, is that distracted <laughs> you don't driving? Get caught All right, with that. careless driving. Uh, careless driving. That's kind of a catch all. Yeah, yeah, that'll yeah. put you up to twenty two hundred. Mm-hmm. But a DUI. Oh, that's the that's the grand finale right there. Twenty nine hundred and eighteen or sixteen. Yeah, well, that's it's a lot of money. Well, not only that, you know, to to fight a DUI or try to get legal representation, you know, can cost you ten grand easy. Oh yeah, I, I don't know that from experience. I listen to the commercials, mm. but the you know the DUI can just go on and on as it, far as affecting right. your job. Uh, I was behind a tractor trailer the other day that just went right through a stop sign. It was out in the country. Uh-huh. I think he was lost. Mm-hmm. I think he was googling or whatever they do in the, in yeah. the truck cab to you know find where they're going. And he, he went right through a stop sign. It was it was at a perpendicular situation where you could make a left turn. Mm-hmm. There was a highway coming in. And the state trooper was sitting at Oh no. At the intersection. This guy went right past the stop sign and right you know, the state trooper sitting there watching him go across his windshield and Unbelievable. Uh, needless to say he pulled him over immediately. Yeah. But that affects the guy's CDL, Rick. Oh, sure. You know, you, you sure, can, that's huge right there. Oh, yeah. You, I used to tell my, my kids that were taking CDL uh, courses, you know, to get into race teams. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you do in, that, in your car affects your truck driving license. Oh, sure. And vice versa. Sure. And do you know, when you have an accident, if you're a professional driver, if you've got a CDL and you're driving for the company, there are two designations within the company of accidents. And if it's an at-fault accident, it's called chargeable. Mm-hmm. And you get kicked out points from your company. But even if it wasn't chargeable, if the safety department deems that it was preventable, you still get oh, wow. charged from the company. You still get it knocked off of your uh, professional record. Huh. You know? That's very interesting. Yeah, because, you know, you, you are supposed to be the professional. You're supposed to be watching out for the other people that might make mistakes on the road and compensate for them. It's only when a person makes a mistake on the road and, and runs into someone that it, or something that it turns into an accident, you know. That's true. I mean, you can run off the road into a field if nobody sees you. It didn't <laughs> I happen, thought right? about that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, tell you, you know what I like about Lanier Technical College and all technical schools in general? What is it, bud? The fact that you don't have to spend a ton of time training for a new career. Right. And a great career is being an AC service technician. Oh, absolutely. How many times you had guys come out and work on your AC system or your heat pump or your your heating system? You know, when you need them, you need them. Right. And uh, we have a shortage of them. Absolutely. So I would suggest if you're looking for a new career and you don't want to spend, you know, a whole lot of time getting into it because Mm -hmm. this program has internships, you might want to consider the Lanier Technical College Air Conditioning and Technology Diploma Program. You will always have a job. Absolutely, absolutely. And the cool thing about the skills you learn at a technical college is that you've got that job to slip in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an air conditioning tech, it doesn't matter whether you're doing it in Georgia or Texas. Right. You know, if you're a mechanic, a race car person, whatever. Whatever. You can take that skill with you. So many of the, the programs of study at Lanier Technical College are like that. Mm-hmm. You may have to do some... Some things with certificates and stuff when you get into the medical things. Right. But you have the skills. And that's the great thing about the technical college. If you want to learn more about all the different programs of study at Lanier Technical College, 
You just go to LanierTech.edu and check out everything and start a new career. Okay, that sounds like a great idea. It is a great idea. Well, this week, our special guest here at uh, Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast, is a household name, at least around here. That'd be Mr. Larry Conway. He is a pinstriper extraordinaire. He uh, did some work for me, which we had on, on the Bud's Garage uh, Facebook page. And uh, he's an amazing guy, down-to-earth guy, and he, is, he has just done it and seen it all as far as artistry and pinstriping goes. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of pinstriping, the stuff that he does, and uh, the stories that he, that he has, and there are many of them. Larry, welcome into Bud's Garage Overdrive. Hey, Larry. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. When, you know, before, before we uh, got a chance to meet each other, I didn't know very much about pinstriping. After I saw you do it, I thought, that's amazing. And then I went into a little bit of research on the history of pinstriping. Tell us how pinstriping started way long time ago. And then we're going to fast forward to the 50s when it hit the auto, you know, the automotive craze. Well, as far as I know, the best of my recollection, they have traced it back to the days of the Roman chariots and whatnot. They were all decorated, and I think that's some of the earliest examples of pinstriping. So you never actually did any of the chariots? So. No. They ah, I'm just ah, kidding. Ah, they, ah, they wouldn't ah, let me. They yeah, wouldn't they, let me. Yeah. I was too fancy for them. Too fancy. <laughs> <laughs> we had to watch those uh, those big spikes that came out and, and cut the spokes off. And the, the other guy's chariots. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't like flames either. <laughs> but, and then it moved, you know. Um, well, I mean, stagecoaches and stuff used to oh, be yeah. pinstriped. I didn't realize that. Absolutely. And what, wasn't it mostly to outline, to accentuate the body curves and stuff on, on the early stuff? You'd see it on everything. Yeah, well, your stagecoaches and whatnot. They did the wheels, they did the spokes, because they're all wooden. Right. And then they would panel, what we call panel pinstripe. Right. On the sides of the coaches and whatnot. And then, of course, uh, the names of the coaches, you know, the carriers, Wells Fargo and all that, that was way back then, too. Yeah. And they were all hand-lettered. And uh, it's, you can letter anything, basically, except water. Right. How did it... How did it transfer from the, or was it just a natural transition from the, the wagons and the buggies to, you know, locomotives and stuff and mm-hmm. train cars? They're all they're all pinstriped and lettered up and stuff. Oh well, yeah. Well, before I got married, anything you saw in my house was pinstriped, including the toaster. Right. <laughs> I took a Toastmaster toaster and I pinstriped it. I pinstriped the toilet seat cover. I pinstriped the cabinets in the kitchen. <laughs> I started pinstriping. This is a true story. My older brother bought me some pinstriping brushes for Christmas. I was 13 years old. And I pinstriped my mom's refrigerator. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> got my butt handed to me. Uh. <laughs> and we laughed about that till the day she passed. But and she, Did she make you take the pinstriping off? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you but, have pictures of it, though? No. I wish oh, man. Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. But years later. That would have been back when they had the round... The round-shaped refrigerators, yeah. the Frigidaire, and they had the raised trim and stuff. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, what a what a. Hers was I'm trying to think what color it was. Is it that harvest gold or avocado green or whatever? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it was just like, like <laughs> like the Brady Bunch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> how did you start making a living at this? How did how did you get from pinstriping mom's fridge to 
pinstriping every kid's uh, bicycle in the neighborhood and all well, that stuff. I dabbled in it for years. Okay, when I say dabbled, it wasn't a job. I was 13 years old, and that's when I first started. Um, then we had snowmobiles. I'm from Chicago, so um, I used to pinstripe everybody's helmets. Okay, yeah. And my dad's friends and their friends. My dad was a fireman. All their stuff, you know, so it was just uh, a natural progression. And then he told me, he says, you need to get a real job. I said, it is a real job. Yeah. He said, no, 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 no. You need a real job. He wanted one of his sons to become a fireman. Well, I don't do fires. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't do heights. Okay. I've fought fires, but I don't do heights. And uh, I told him, I said, Dad, this is, this is what I want to do. Well, you're not going to make a living and so on and so forth. It wasn't until I moved down here, which I've been down here 26 years now. I worked for a gentleman named Larry West out of Roswell. Right. And we used to letter race cars for Gene Felton. He would buy the old sure. NASCARs cars that were retired. Yeah, and he restored them. He restored them. He yeah. refurbished them. And we would, I've done everybody's car. Big E's, little E's. I mean, everybody. Right. Um, we used to do... Warren and Kirk Johnson's pro stops. Right. The trailers and all that. And that's kind of what drew me down here, other than the fact that my younger brother did live down here, and every time I'd come on vacation, I'd come here. Right. And I love Georgia. And no, you're not sending me back to Chicago. I won't go. <laughs> for, for a kid from Buffalo, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just beautiful down here, and the people are nice. And they, you know, they used to tease me, well, you know, how, what brought you down here? I said, Fifty miles out of Chicago, people start turning nice. Yeah, and I kept, <laughs> I kept driving until they got to be the nicest, and this is where I ended up. Hey, sounds so. like a plan. Now, aside from the pinstriping, you do a lot of signage and stuff like that. Was this was it just a natural transition? Are you somebody that drew all the time, and and you know the the artist, the painting part of it? How did that all well, evolve? I was always artistic, not autistic, artistic. I understand. Okay. My mom and I debated that. but uh, Just spelling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, I'd always, you know, if I had a pencil in my hand, I would draw. Right. And through high school, I'd take art classes. And nine times out of ten, I was more talented than the art, than the teacher. Sure. Which got her, you know, a lot of people upset with me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Instead of helping me, you know, develop it, you know, I got shunned from it. And, but I kept at it, just kept doing it. Um, I have a lot of friends, a lot of friends. I knew everybody in high school. So one, you do one guy's job, then you're doing three more, then right. you're doing six more, you know, so it just progressed from there. And um, I did get a sign job at a sign shop at a time where back in the day, they didn't divulge secrets, quote unquote secrets. Sure. On how to do stuff and this, that, and other thing. So I worked as a silk screener at a place in this little strip mall kind of place with a body shop on the end of it. My buddy worked there. So one day I was going next door to have lunch, and I hear John come running out. Hey, Conway, come here, come here, come here. Hey, Alex, this is the kid I was telling you about. He could probably do this stuff. So Alex comes out. He was an older gentleman. And he said, um, you want to learn how to do this? I said, oh, yeah. And he said, do you have any equipment? I said, yeah, I've got, you know, this brush, that brush. He says, well, next Tuesday, bring it here, and I'll show you. We'll work, we'll work together. I said, okay. 
So I got all my stuff. I called in sick down the other end. <laughs> all right. So you're yeah. one end of the strip mall, you're called in sick, and you're exactly. down working the yeah. other end. Yeah, okay. Oh, burning the can. Yeah. So I spent three hours with Alex. And he, he says, all right, let's, let's go grab lunch. I said, okay. We're sitting there, and he says, well, he said, you're good enough to go out on your own. I went, what? He said, come on. He says, no, I'm serious. You've got the it factor. I said, the it factor? He says, yeah. He said, it's in your head, it's in your heart, and you can tell because it's coming out of your hands. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said, with a little bit more practice, he says, you're going to be phenomenal. So that was words of encouragement that just kept pumping him on the back of my head. Um, in fact, I use it to this day. I met a young lady down here in Georgia. Uh, her name's Michelle Abbott, and she works at, she's a mother, a wife, and works at Home Depot. Right. And she can pinstripe and do cartoons. And invited her down to Motorama. And she goes, I'm not good enough, you guys. Come on, please. And her work was there. It needed to be tightened up. Needed to be tweaked a little bit. Now she's nonstop. The girl is phenomenal. And I was just what um, there's a, a brush back a brush man. His name's Von Dago. He manufactures brushes. Right. He put me on his pro team. He picks artists out of the country, puts you on the pro team, and all it is is a glorified nothing other than a pat on the back and you get free brushes or whatever I need. Sure. Um, great, phenomenal guy. He's out of Utah. I met him in person up in Cleveland. You want to talk about a car show? They had the Piston Power Show, two million square foot. Wow. Holy cow. Show. It was amazing. The prior two years it was canceled because of COVID. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it's by invitation only. So I got invited to go couldn't make it, of course, those two years, and I got invited this year. So I went up there, and I'm not going to toot my own horn, okay? I can basically... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. I, can, I can basically draw anything other than portraits. I do do portraits. Right. And everybody oohs and ahs, and, you know, and it feels good. I was like a third-grade art project compared to the people that were up there in Cleveland. They had 70 pinstripers there. And the quality of work that was coming out of that room would blow Disney out of the grave. It was amazing. Wow. I mean, it was just phenomenal. I came away with that with a new perspective. And also, I got the long distance road, road dog award. There you go. Which I'll have to show it to you one day. It is a 35 Ford hubcap. On top of it is a post. On top of that is a flying emblem of a 50-something Chevrolet, I think. Right. All candy apple twirled and pinstriped and lettered road dog award. Wow. Now, with that being said, I have to make next year. There you go. Okay. Yeah, so that's going to be <laughs> cool. And I've already got You got it going on. Well, James. I can, I can see friend, the wheels turning. Yeah, James. Our friend yeah. James is going to help me with this one. What I want to do is, I'm sure you remember them, the old fuel tanker trucks. Yeah. Like Tonka's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I called James. I said, you got one of those? He said, I got a Of course he does, yeah. He goes, why? I told him what I wanted to do. 
because we're swinging by, you know. I said, okay, what I want to do, it's 24 inches long. In the back section of the tanker, I want to split it, hinge it, and make it a brush holder. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to make this a usable, functioning trophy. Mm-hmm. And, of course, candy apple it and bennel flake it and gold leaf it, you know, the whole nine yards. Wow. Now, can you t- can you tell us a little bit about how pinstriping started in the automotive side of things? I mean, we most people have heard of folks like Ed Roth, mm-hmm. you know, Rat Fink, and, and Von Dutch, which wasn't his real name, by the way. Yeah. But, you know, tell us how, how it all started with, with cars and evolved to where we're at now. From the stories that I've read, people that I've talked to, the Von Dutch's name, Kenny, Kenny, I'll think of it in a minute here. Yeah. Talk about getting old. Yeah, I understand. But somebody came. He worked at a body shop. It was Kenny Howard. Kenny, Kenny Howard, that's right. Yeah, there you go. I only know him by one Dutch, so. Yeah, well, so did everybody. But so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was, you want to talk about a cantankerous man. I read stories about him that curl your hair. Anyway, somebody brought in a car that had some scratches on the hood, on one side of the hood. Okay, looking down the center. And this guy says, can you cover this up? And back then, they did have the pinstriping brushes because they were like your your Model A's and all that. They were pinstriped in the factory. Yeah. In fact, a lot of women did it. Okay, hmm. believe it or not, there were more women pinstripers than there were men because women always had a steadier hand. Steadier hand, yeah. And when you start pulling straight lines, straight lines are the hardest thing in the world to pull. So let me, you bring up an interesting point, having, having a, you know, a, a nice straight, straight line. Uh, one of the, the pinstripers I was reading about was named Shaky Jake. Yep. You know, that, that, that's a moniker you don't want as a pinstriper, well, I would think. But, you know, this, this, we're starting to talk stories here. Every time I go to pinstripe, somebody goes, you want a beer? You want a shot? Yeah, right. No. No. Why? Well, the last guy I had, his hand shook like he had Parkinson's till he had a shot, and then it was razor strut, you know. I'm like, come on. That is the oldest fallacy in the world. Yeah. No, yes, there were people that were out there getting yeah. drunk. Yeah. I haven't touched a drink in 26 years, no, okay. okay? I've done them drunk, sober, and everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. And, but everyone, and then you get the, you spelled it wrong. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy because I worked for two sign guys, wouldn't spell their own name. Yeah. You, a, now, do you do you sign all your stuff that you do? I yeah, I try to sign everything okay. that I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's just it's like your calling card. Sure. And I always my moniker is Conway did it mm-hmm. because I don't even have to be around and I get blamed for it. Yeah. <laughs> Who did that? Conway did it. Even in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. If something happened in high school. I was called to the dean's office. i got to go out and check my truck. Yeah. Make sure that it's on my truck. Uh-huh. We have to have it on the back somewhere. I think it is. Yeah. No, I think it's on your hood. I'll walk around and look. Yeah. Well, how about your hood? Yeah. I did his hood. Get Fantastic. Done. He's looking at it. Oh, and I felt like an idiot. I mean, I no. felt like an idiot. Don't ever. Just, uh, Don't ever. <laughs> we get done with this thing. And yeah, but and it, i got to tell you. You did it, and then we moved it to a different part of the garage right. where the lights were completely different, and they're LEDs, yeah. which is wacky anyway. But uh. And we're looking at it, and he goes, I got a question for you. Come here, take a look at this. 
Well, it was off to the right. It, this thing took a right hook. And I went, oh, okay. I can fix that. Mm-hmm. Or he could grab another breath. I had the thinner in the rag and wipe the whole thing off. And start over again. He looked at me. His eyes were wide open. And I went, what? You didn't have to do I didn't mean to make you mad. So you're not making me mad. I said, my name's on it, okay? If it's crooked, it's going to get fixed. So right. we redid it, and we liked the second design better. Oh, yeah, but I, I didn't realize it was oil paint. So he's using mm -hmm. turpentine, which isn't going to hurt oh, the, so the you finish. Were... You know, here I am with the, the truck that's got the metal flake and all this right. stuff on it, and he, he wipes right across the hood, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah. So you use the traditional one-shot paint? Yes. Yes. And is it still, does it still have lead in it, or have they no. changed that formula? There's no paint that has lead in it anymore. Okay, okay. I have got some, some paint from one shot that has lead in it. Yeah. And I, I treasure that stuff. Oh, I bet. Right, right. So what's fascinating to me is when you do a design like you did on the hood of Bud's car, mm. you know, you're starting from a center line, and then you're, you're, mirror imaging on both sides of that center line yeah. doing you know for me it would be doing the right side okay that's getting the other side exactly the same is where i f go all to pieces well yeah that's a it's a talent that you've got to practice okay there's whenever i get anybody that wants to learn i used to give lessons i had a sign shop up in and where do I live? Dawsonville, before the economy tanked. And I used to give lessons on how to pinstripe. Oh, okay. So I had about eight students, uh, four to crack, and I'd spend time with them. I'd show them what I was taught, how to, the, the proper equipment to have, the proper paint to have, your thinners, the brush. Um, they used to say trimming the brush. You right. Know how to trim the brush. You don't do that anymore. These brushes are down, down to the hair count. It's amazing. And there were two students who were phenomenal and never pursued it. They never furthered it other than my class. So it was like, you know, it can be taught. Mm -hmm. Now, this girl, Michelle, that I was talking about, she has, she will make a pattern. Okay and use that to go by because she can't take, draw a center line and do what I do, which is one side than the other. Uh -huh. Okay, she has a hard time doing it without a pattern. Well now, since, I'm gonna say within the last five, 10 years, they've come up with grid systems. Oh yeah, yeah. All these you know different things to help everybody out, which is nice. Um, I mean, because pinstriping took a nosedive for years. And with the resurgence with these rat rods, mm -hmm. that's what got, everybody goes, you know, it's a dying art. No, it was just on layaway for a little bit. Okay. They brought the, these rat rods out and all of a sudden everybody wants a pinstripe. Pinstripe, yeah. Now these kids, and I will, I'm sorry I have to knock you young kids away a little bit. There's no app on how to learn how to do this. Right. Other than practice. Practice, mm -hmm. yeah. If you don't practice, you're not going to learn it. They want instant gratification. Sure. And it just doesn't happen. I mean, even uh, I've been doing it 50 years. I still learn something new every day on a job, different uh, paints, 
bag. They came out with this uh, ceramic coating. Yeah, right. I won't touch a vehicle that's been ceramic coated because mm-hmm. it won't stay on there. Right. So it's a waste of money. You want to ceramic coat it after I do it, that's fine. Yeah, right. But you also have to wait three or four months. Yeah. Because the paint, it's, a, it's an oil-based enamel. It dries from the outside in. So in those three months, you've got chemicals that are burning out of that paint. Yeah. You go ahead and ceramic coat it. It's going to bubble. It's going to it's going to look terrible. You know, but people don't understand. Everybody wants instant gratification. Now you you mentioned that you have some paints that you still have that have lead in it. I mean, yeah. you that what what is the difference between painting with the old paint that had lead in it and and some of the newer paints? What is the characteristics of the paint to make it different? The as far as I'm concerned, it's the flow. It flows much nicer with the lead in it. It covers in one one shot. With the lead. Right. Now, okay, they have gone through a transition of ownership with one shot. Valspar owned it for a little while, then another company owned it for a little while. PPG is the one that owns it now. Mm-hmm. Okay, PPG is a multi-billion dollar corporation. One shot is a think one percent of that right so they don't put they put they say they put enough research and development into it we we don't think that's true because it the the paint is good don't get me wrong but it doesn't have the same characteristics of the old paint Mm -hmm. it's a new formula and now they want you to use their reducers and their right before i use mineral spirits i've used mineral spirits from day one Turpentine stinks, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, it's good. Yeah, but the new so, green mineral spirits and turpentine and stuff, that's all weird, too. Yeah, well, everything's, it's, everything's weird. If you go to Walmart and you buy mineral spirits, yeah. it's white. Yeah. Okay, and it doesn't do no. what the other stuff does. Yeah, yeah, right. I buy mine over at Home Depot. It's the Clean Strip Corporation. Stuff works great. No problem. Huh. It's worked great. Now, now tell us about the brushes. When I was watching your, you know, it's not like a paintbrush that we used to. And by the way, I was going to ask you this first. Did you build model cars when you were a kid? I mean, we all did, you know, and set them on fire and all that kind of stuff. You know, like, <laughs> I had. So you set them on fire? Of really? course we did. You oh, never crashed oh. them and set them on fire? We no. used to. Bud. And staged, you know, staged so they look like. I used like to a... make them to look like old demolition derby cars. Yeah, there you go. Heat them up, take the tire and push it in there. Oh, yeah. Okay. I had my my models were chopped before chopping. You know, I used to chop my own marks, stuff like that. I'd wire them. I'd get thread oh. out and wire the plugs and all that crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Look at you looking at me. You're my, you're my <laughs> older brother. You're my older brother, boy. That was him. Me? You wouldn't even lift the hood. But, the, <laughs> but you know, the brushes we used, the testers paint that we used back then, and the rattle cans and all that, that was all different stuff. Yeah. The brushes you use now are, are different looking. They they remind me of a feather. Is okay. Is, yeah. Well, the pinstriping brushes, you've got two different types of pinstriping brushes. You've got a dagger, mm-hmm. which is kind of tapered on both ends. It comes to a point, and then you've got a sword, which is straight on one end, and then you've got the belly that comes down and curves on the bottom. All right. Now, back in the day, like I said, I'm older than dirt by a week. We used to have, they've got scrolling brushes now mm-hmm. and this, that, and the other thing. We never had any of that. We had to make our own, or you had to use what was available. 
So when people would say trim a brush, the higher the number on a brush, the wider it gets. Right. Okay. We used to take a number four, take a razor blade, twirl it around the bottom, and now make it a two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead of using a two, now you've got the length of the hair is what you wanted. Now they've got outlining brushes. Um, the manufacturer I use is Vondego. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I believe one of the only manufacturers of brushes is Mac. They're out of Michigan. They supply everybody's brushes. But the gentleman that I prefer to use is, is uh, Vondego. Vondego.com, by the way. And the reason I do is, and I've seen this, he can look at a brush 10 feet away of one of his brushes tell you what it is, how many hairs are in it, what kind of ferrule it is, and if it's right or wrong. The owner of Mac calls him his favorite pain in the butt because Vondago can see without even getting wet. He can look it in a container. He'll get a, a shipment of them, right? and he'll call up Chris and go, these are wrong. What do you mean they're wrong? There's not enough hair in it. There's this, there's that, the length is wrong, but... Visually, he can see it. Yeah. Okay. It's just amazing what he can do. But you're right. You know, like I said, they, they've got different brushes now. You've got twirlers, scrollers, uh, outliners. Um, the ones I like, somebody will go, what's your favorite brush? I would say the one that's working today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. it's so true because there are different names out there, you know, and... The reason that there's different names is, like, Bondego took and designed his own brush. And every brush that goes through his hands, uh, or that sold, goes through his hands. Right. Because you've seen a regular pinstriping brush. Yeah. They have a, a short, round handle. He takes a file and files it away by hand. So when you grip it, your index finger sits inside that little that little groove that little groove yeah and he does every brush by hand wow i'm like dude this is crazy and his brushes are dipped in epoxy so they're not losing hairs they're not shedding why wouldn't you spend your money on something like that yeah right. versus another brush that's going to fall apart in six months mm-hmm. you know at twenty dollars a crack for these brushes i want something that's going to last yeah Absolutely. How long does a brush last? That's an interesting thing. I. You just clean them with turpentine, and. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. You clean them out, um, then you oil them. You have to oil them. Okay. Now, I was under the misconception of using transfluid for forty years. That's transmission Tim. Oh, okay. Tri- yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we're not thanks for clarifying. Because yeah. you had me thinking not there. Not gear I could Not s- gear loop. I could see it. I could see it. But Vondego came up with lard oil. Okay. Really? Now, just to prove a point of how crazy this guy is, we get on the phone one day and he goes, do you realize there's three different degrees of lard oil? I went, what? Because I used lard up in Chicago when I was young. Sure. But the problem was it would get cold and it would get solid. Yeah. I, I, I'm a smoker, so I have my lighter with me all the time. And I used to carry that larder all around in a small aluminum can. Right. I'd have to heat the Warm bottom it up, of it. Yeah. Yep. 
Right. So he came up with this lard oil. He said there's there's three different degrees of it. I'm using the finest that there is. And I said, well, I use transmission fluid. Oh, he went through the roof. He's an Italian. He went through the roof. Yeah. He's screaming, yelling. And I said, hey, two days later, I get shipped a bottle of his oil. And God strike me dead if it's not true. It's all you use, right? I took all my, I took my brushes. And I've got many brushes. I took my favorites. I cleaned them all out. Got everything out of them. Dipped him into his oil. It was like all my brushes went. Oh. <laughs> it was like a spa. They they started acting different. Yep. They started, you know, it was amazing, amazing. I will never use anything but his oil. Need to bring us a couple of bottles of that. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah, I can sprinkle. We'll it experiment on you. with yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Right. Now you you talked about you were working in a sign shop. Were, were you always, were you always painting to to survive? Did you did you work any other jobs? Were you flipping hamburgers or any of that in between oh, things I, or whatever? Well, seeing that they can't see me, I'm a pizza pizza aficionado. Yeah, I'm a little chunky. I used to deliver pizzas. Oh, okay. I used to work gas stations. Didn't all we all? Stuff. Yeah. And then I got into DJing. I used to DJ at the clubs. Uh, up around Chicago area. Then we, when we got out of the clubs, we started DJing weddings, which was cool because I could DJ Friday and Saturday or a Saturday and a Sunday, do a wedding. Right. And I had the rest of the week free yeah. to pursue what I do now. Work for body shops, touch up pinstriping, add pinstriping, whatever. So now, this these days, that's all I do is pinstriping and lettering. Uh, I have a very supportive wife. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to her. Uh, I understand yeah. that feeling. We can, all, yeah, yeah, we can yeah. all say that. That's so for we'll sure. We'll testify. Now, brushes are one thing. Are you an air, air, uh, airbrush guy, too? I used to be. Mm -hmm. I used to airbrush. Um, for highlighting and stuff like that, yeah, mostly? Yeah. I yeah. used to hand paint and highlight. Okay. Okay. Somebody will go, well, can you... Can you do the lettering on my truck? Yeah. Can you airbrush it? Yeah, I don't want it to look like a t-shirt. Right. You know. Yeah, that's a whole different animal, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. Well, this is crazy, too. Gentleman out of New Jersey, Glenn Weisgerber, used to work for, along with Vondago. Vondago used to have a body shop out of California. They used to do all the funny cars. Yeah. Now, Glenn was one of the guys that would airbrush the front clip of a car with the headlights. The headlights and stuff on it, yeah. He's, he's untouchable. Nobody can do as good a job as him. And he used to buy the three $400 Iwatas mm -hmm. airbrush. So he was doing a job, one broke. He couldn't repair it. He went down to Harbor Freight, spent $26 on an airbrush that looked like his, came back, and it worked just as uh -huh. It was $25 right. versus $400 for an sure. airbrush. Yeah. He says, guess what? I bought a bunch of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All I use. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I've, I've done some airbrush work too. I've also, well, I was 10 years old painting houses with my dad too. <laughs> well, that helps. He used to, oh, he was so mad when I, it was funny because he, he was a fireman. He was on 24. 
all 48, and it was my older brother and me. We would help him. And he'd say, cut in the ceiling. And I couldn't cut a ceiling in to save my life. <laughs> he'd scream at me. Can you nowadays? Yeah. Oh, okay, now yeah, I, I would imagine yeah. you could, yeah, yeah. He screams at me. You use a brush that looks like a pubic hair, and you can't even cut in it. Oh, he's still nuts. <laughs> I said, it's a different animal, Dad. It's yeah. something I'm not used to. Yeah. But, yeah, now I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate painting. God, I hate painting. Oh. Mm. And, and, you know. Yeah, th- i got to ask you that. Now, if, if, if paint projects at home. You're a painter by trade. My wife keeps me on a leash. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she got, we got this beautiful furniture in. And I said, can I put a little gold leaf on that? You touch it, I'll break your arm. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go back to the gold leaf. I compared it to putting dry leaves, you know, out of your yard on something. You're not. I've seen it yeah. done. Tell me, what is gold leaf? How does it stick? And then what do you do with it after you put it on? Okay. There's two different types of leaf. There's real gold, mm-hmm. and then there's what they call variegated gold or imitation gold. Right. Okay, the imitation gold... Um, there's a lot of countries that make it, um, the Dutch, German, uh, Japanese. It's real gold is an actual pellet mm-hmm. that is put on this, like a wax paper, if you will, and it's pounded. Into the wax paper. Into the wax paper, numerous different ways and different processes. The finished product will come out to be three and a half inches by three and a half inches. And then they trim the edges. And it is so thin that if you were to grab it with your hand, you could have some on your fingers and go like that and it's gone. That's how thin it is. Oh, okay. It's thinner than a human hair. All right. Okay. Which is six thousandths of an inch, ask me how I... We used to talk about that. Yeah, it's a lot less than that. Yeah. But the process of this is, let's say you, you're going to letter the letter L. So you take what is called gold size. Gold size is nothing more than the glue that holds the leaf. Okay, so you do, there, is a, there is an adhesive. That's what I was wondering yeah. about. Yeah. And they offer quick dry or slow dry. Now, is this a brush-on product or yeah. spray-on? Okay. You can spray it, too. I've seen it sprayed, too. Yeah. I've never tried it because I, most everything I do, I've been doing a lot of lowriders lately. I did two in the last day, two days. I'm dying. Anyway, the last yesterday I was gold leafing all day. Mm-hmm. Started at 11 in the morning and got home at 11 last night. Ooh, on, on lowriders? So yeah. you're, you're laying on the ground doing these things? No, I had them jacked up. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> you put them hydraulics up. Yeah. Nice kid. We've become real good friends, too. But anyway, long story is you paint your design, whether it's a design or whether it's like a, the letter L. And what I like to do is take, move next to it on the metal or where I'm doing and paint a little bit about a one inch line. You have to wait about an hour, sometimes more, depending on the humidity and temperature sure. and all yeah. that. And you do the knuckle test. Okay, you just take the knuckle on your, your index finger and tap it on what you painted. And if it sticks, it's not dry. Okay. Okay. When it sticks enough where it's tacky and you can take and drag your knuckle on it 
and you hear a fine squeak. Hmm. I mean, then you know it's ready. Then you've got to take and lay the leaf down on it without trying to fold the leaf. That's the kicker. Okay, you lay it down, and then you take the palm, let's make a fist, and then the, the butt of your hand, you pound it down into it. And you take a makeup brush, okay, and you brush the loose leaf off of it. And then we've got, now, if it's real gold, we use velvet and a ball of cotton. And you wrap the ball of cotton with the velvet and twist it. And that's how you get your engine turning. Mm -hmm. okay. And then you generally, what you do is overlap about a quarter of the turn as you go down the letter. And it looks, looks like the engine turning that we've yes. seen on aluminum. Exactly. Yeah. Now, imitation gold is a lot more forgiving. You can touch that stuff. Right. And apply it. Um, but it's, it's basically the same principle. As you lay it down, and now you pat it down the same way, brush off your excess, and this stuff goes everywhere. Um, but what they've got nowadays is they use five, 3,000 or 5,000 grit sandpaper mm -hmm. cut in circles that are stuck on a, a little round turning tool. Deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you twist it that way. Now, after you're done gold leafing, do you clear it? Then I take a two-part two epoxy clear. Okay. 2K clear is what I call it. And we brush over everything. And then once that's dry, then you pinstripe the edges. Oh. It's, it's a lengthy process. I would say so. Mm -hmm. But you can't beat it. There's nothing like it. No, it looks, it looks absolutely amazing. Who are some of the folks that you've worked for in the racing industry? You, you mentioned Gene Felton. Yeah. You know, back, back then, before there was vinyl, everybody had their cars painted and their numbers and all that stuff on them. Mm -hmm. uh, who are some of the drivers that you've worked for? Uh, you know, I know, I know Kurt and Warren pretty well, and, and uh, you know, Grumpy Jenkins, Don Garlitz, back in the yeah. day, you, you, have you, now, who sir, are some of the folks you've worked for? Circle track racing. Right, um, yeah. In ARCA. Yeah. With Bob Shack. Yeah. It was funny because there's a gentleman, there's a lot of pinstripers and letters up in, letters in Chicago, mm -hmm. who I admire, who are very good friends of mine. Um, I've learned from them. Um, the one gentleman, his name is, he goes by the name Jive. He used to do Bob's cars, and something happened. I don't know what, what it was, but Bob called me because my older brother was on sort of on his pit crew. Right. He'd help out when he could, and he calls me up. He says, get over here, Shaq. Need somebody to load this car now. So I went over there, and now he had the cool thing was he had a pounce pattern. Okay, what a pounce pattern is is he had the number 75 on his car. Pounds pattern he had for the last 25 years is the same number. It's a piece of paper with, with a hand-drawn number, and then you can use a pounce machine or you can use a pounce wheel, which is nothing more than a little spiked wheel on a handle, and you follow the lines. And yeah. What it does it puts the holes in the paper. Mm -hmm. You line it up on your on your car, tape it down, and then you take either baby powder which on a dark vehicle you use baby powder and on a light vehicle you use like a, a brown charcoal sure and you pull it off and boom you've got instant color by number 
Mm-hmm. You just fill it in. So Bob had this had this number. I went over there and I did it. His letters were also convex, which is a they look chisel cut. Yeah, right. So it was white and gray. Anyway, long story short, I did that, and then he asked me to do the quarter panels and you know letter and name. Now this is the days before I got into computer generated stuff. Yeah. Um, which I kick myself every day thinking about it. I got hooked on the computer stuff. Right. Right at the time when I was really getting good at the freehand stuff, and I kind of let that slide. Now I'm trying to get back to my old roots. Yeah, right. You know. So anyway, I did Bob's car. He was going to Pocono. Bob had never won Pocono. He won it that weekend. He called me up when he got back, and he goes, you're lettering my cars from now on. Yeah. I'm like, okay. That's always good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. you win first time <laughs> out. Yeah. Jeez. So I've noticed, I've seen some videos of uh, the auto manufacturers assembly line mm-hmm. where they had a uh, uh, some kind of a pattern that, that came down on the side of the car. Yep. And and I know that when I worked at body shops early on, the Oldsmobiles had hand-painted stripes, like a double stripe down the side of them. The Olds Cutlass, the yeah. the uh, Deltas, all yeah, of them yep, yep. had those. Those were hand-done. They were not. They were done the same way you're talking about it. It was a dot. It was a, a um, what am I thinking of? Yeah, some kind of a jig that a jig that came down and it goes to the side of the car. Uh huh. You've seen bugler pinstripers? Yeah. Tubes yeah. of paint mm-hmm. with the little rollers on. Them. Yeah. Right. That's what they're using. They're not using regular pinstripe brushes either. Okay. And you just and you follow that guy. You can't miss. Yeah. Right. There's no way to well, mess it up. Well, right? I saw a guy wood grain a uh, a metal woody. Uh, yeah. Uh, Smile, Boston. Amazing. Oh, amazing. And and he did a car up in up in. Uh, um, Delonica okay. for Mike Bowen, and uh, it was a 50 Oldsmobile. Yep. And there he showed up, and he, and he did it. But, you know, I, I went back to see how they did it at the factory, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't do it that way. No. And, hey. I mean, you, you could tell, you know, where the dowels were that, you know, where the, where the wood would look like it was joined mm-hmm. together. Yeah. It had the saw marks in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It oh, was yeah. crazy. You'd swear it had knots in it. Larry stuff. West was that good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I worked with Larry, he was he was a car nut, and he was doing a. I don't think what year it was. Anyway, he was doing a, a dashboard, solid wood, and I watched him do it, and I says, really cool. And we talked about you know the way they used to do it at the factories and all that. And I said, what are you getting to do those? Six hundred bucks. Yeah. Six hundred dollars. Yeah. He said, "Yeah, why?" He said, "You should be getting three times that amount." Absolutely. Yeah. You go anywhere that gets wood grain like that on a dash and all the components. Yeah. You're getting thousands of dollars. You're getting six hundred dollars. Wow. I said, My word. And I, but like I said, I watched him do it, and he would take like primer. Yeah. Okay. He'd shoot primer whether it was like reddish brown or even the tan colored primer as a base coat yeah then he'd use watercolor he'd do a lot of it in watercolor 
And if he liked it, then he'd put a little bit of clear on it. Then he'd come back with his next color and do overlay on that until it got down and it was perfect, and then he'd shoot the whole thing. Wow. Oh, it was gorgeous. Oh, I bet. Yeah, the guy I watched literally smeared some of the stuff on the car, and then mm-hmm. then it, it turned from a foam brush smear to wood, just in the way you could do it. Yeah, amazing. Well, it was getting along those same lines. Larry had a 97 F-150, and I needed a truck. So I said, I want that truck. You know, I bought it from him. So I had my, my best friend who lives down here, he's one of the reasons I do live down here also, he does body work and paint out of his house. I came home one day, he said, let me borrow your truck. I said, all right. So the next day I went over and I got it. I looked at it. He painted my truck. Painted it white. <laughs> it was beautiful. I was like, okay, that'll work. What do I owe you? He said, nothing. Because I was tired of looking at it. <laughs> then I talked to Larry West, and I was like, I want to wood grain the side of it. He goes, really? I said, yeah. He said, all right, this weekend we'll do it. And what I wanted to do was the, the, the front fender, that fender wheel well that comes down, I wanted to airbrush chrome with a couple of slats of chrome in it, kind of make it look like an old woody wagon. Yeah. And that's what I ended up doing. We did the tan on the outside and the darker red on the inside. It took us about eight hours, and boom, 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 we were done. It was amazing watching Larry do this. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, what would you be doing today, do you think, if you hadn't started out as a pinstriper artist? I have no, I know it wouldn't be a truck driver. Right. Because when my shop took a dump, I looked at my wife, she was, what are you gonna do? And I'm like, I'm 50-something years old. I don't know what can I do. Yeah. I know what I can do. I can learn how to drive a truck. So I went and got my CDL license. Four and a half years on the road. And hurt myself on the truck. I fell off the back of the truck. Ooh. Yeah. Landed on my butt and my elbows. Yep. Took out L3, 4, and 5 in my back. Ah. Oh. Screwed up my hips and tore both rotator cuffs. I looked at the wife and I said, I'm back swinging a brush. Yeah. I really don't know. I couldn't answer you what I would do because I don't know anything else. Well, I, I, I'm not, I know anything else. I'm not happy. Doing anything doing else. Anything. Which takes retirement right out of the picture for you. Oh, I will retire with a brush in my hand. I will fall over. <laughs> they will find me somewhere. With yeah, you're, you're amongst brethren, that's for sure. Norton right? one shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are your heroes in, my, in your industry? In my industry? Yeah. Bert Quimby mm-hmm. has got to be, in fact, if you look him up on Facebook, you, you will absolutely flip with the work that this gentleman's doing. I'll take make a note. Bert? Bert Quimby. Quimby. Yeah, Quimby. Now I was doing a I was doing a little research and I I, I ran across a name Rick Harris. Yes, Rick Harris. very talented young man. Yes, uh, he worked for. He's actually been hired to do uh, you know electric guitars for Gibson. You know, obviously NASCAR race cars and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. 
And he, it said in the article that he was helping car companies out when they had delaminating paint. What was he talking about? Would he just pinstripe between the different colors? When they were laminating paint? De no, delaminating, when they were having trouble with clears and stuff like that. That I don't know. That, that's yeah. interesting. I did not know that Rolls-Royce yeah. still hand stripes their cars. Yeah. They, they don't use the wheel you were talking about. No, there's a gentleman and I can't remember if it's his nephew or his son that do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're hand done. Oh, there are so many guys that are out there that can pull a straight line. Mm -hmm. They will start at the front and end up at the back. I couldn't do that to save my bacon. Yeah. I just <laughs> couldn't do it. Now, if, it, if, you're, if you're trying to pull a line, mm -hmm. is it cheating if you run a piece of tape and use that as a guide? Oh, no. You all, they even use a guide. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. They have magnetic guides. They have, you know, people will run tape. And somebody goes, well, it's cheating. Okay. You're going to go down a 22-foot-long car and not, yeah, and not, and, and not waver? Yeah. Well, you want to one girl I used to go out with. I led her to box truck. She walked in and she goes, it's an eighth of an inch off. I went, what? She goes, it's an eighth of an inch off. Your right side's dropped down. And I said, you're crazy. Got up there with a yardstick, measured it. An eighth of an inch off. Eighth of an inch off. She could pick that up. I was like, yeah. Here's something. Well, you run, you run into the same problem with uh, trying to run a, a straight seam. Oh, yeah. You know, with people right. who are trying to train and stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah. Straight, straight seam. Yeah, well, but, you know, if, if I was painting and one side of the vehicle was an eighth of an inch off from the other. I mean, you can only see one side at a time. What the heck? Yeah, but this was on the same side. I think oh. this, was, what, this is what he was saying, and she could see that. Oh. So you, you guys, you know, Tim being an upholsterer and you being a, a pinstriper, mm. that's, uh, mm. that's mm. very, very similar. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Oh, hi. Tim's Auto Upholstery. I'd like to introduce you to Tim. Should have done that a little earlier, I guess. And our next guest, watch Larry interview Tim. Yeah. So when you, when you went into, and, and, you know, you decided to pursue this, was, mm -hmm. what was the aha moment for you after seeing the reaction to the uh, pinstripe fridge? It's kind of, well, somebody asked me, everybody asks me, does it bother you if I watch? My first paying job was at Chicago World of Wheels. Yeah, where everybody's watching. Lettering and pinstriping a 67 Camaro. Hmm. Okay, so I'm down there. I got two stories to tell you. This is hilarious. So I'm lettering this, this girl. He's a friend of mine in his wife's car. So she comes over, and she's just a Um, I got something to tell you. What? You know how many people are looking at you? No. When you get a chance, check it out. Mm, okay. I was doing something, I looked down, there was a sea of feet. Yep. Turned around to get something and you couldn't see the car on the other side of the aisle. Now I'm nervous. Yeah. I get back and I start pinstriping. Thank and you for pointing that out. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. So I'm like, get down with it and I'm like, like that I wiped it off when you heard all <gasps> did you see that he wiped it off I, I didn't know you could do that I 
similar to your story yeah. in your place. So then I started messing with him. I put a design there. He goes, <laughs> She comes over and goes, you're just screwing with him now. I said, You yeah. became an entertainer at that yeah. point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure did. Now that was one story. Same, same guy. A few years later, he had a 70 Nova, and they had the Lexan windows. Yeah. So he wanted his number on the two rear windows. So I'm under there, you know, I'm standing there next to the car. They're under the ropes, you know, they're behind the ropes and whatnot. And I start doing this. Well, when you wipe off plastic, it's got that static electricity. Sure. As you bring the brush close to it, the paint jumps from your brush from the brush. to the window. Oh, wow. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. I wipe it off, do it again, keep doing it. Start lettering finally. This guy's standing behind me. He goes, Do you ever use two hands? I look around and go, What? You know, do you ever use two hands? Hand over hand? No. no Something screws up. I have to wipe it off. Start over again. And this happens three or four times. And he's asking me questions. Sure. So finally, I get ticked. I turn around and I said, What are you, a fucking sign painter? He goes, yeah, my name's Greg Whitteman. Well, Greg Whitteman was like God Almighty to us. Right. I'd never met him. Huh. And I was like, I'm the <laughs> He goes, do you mind if I show you how to do this? No, sir. Yeah. Yeah. He comes in, wipes it down. He says, now, we had glasses of water. And was, he goes, takes a little bit of tissue dips it in the water and sticks it right on the edge of the seam of the window. Yeah, where it's, where it's close to the to took, metal. Yeah, took all the electricity out. Yeah. Then he's showing me how to do this. And he goes, see this hand over hand, how I did that? Yeah. He wipes it off. He goes, now you do it. And I did it. It looked just like his. And he looked at me and goes, what's your name? I said, Conway. And he says, do me a favor. What's that? He said, stay out of my neighborhood. Yeah. I said, what? He said, where are you from? I said, Addison, which is a suburb of Chicago. He lived near the south side of Chicago. He said, stay away from my neighborhood. I've got enough competition. I don't need you. Okay. Years later, I'm at a friend of mine's body shop, lettering. He had a front engine dragster. And the, the panel that sat in front of the driver, mm-hmm. I did a dragster cartoon with a rat fink driving it and I think we called it rodent that roared or right. something like that. Anyway, I'm over there painting it. The door opens and I hear, I told you not to come into my neighborhood. I turn around it was Greg Wiedemann. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, I'm just messing with you. He goes, that was great. I hadn't seen Greg in 30 years. I went down three or four years ago. I went up to Chicago to meet a gentleman. You thought you, you were asking about heroes, Jack Lindenberger. Mm-hmm. I got in my car and drove 12 hours to meet this man. And at that show in Chicago, I knew a lot of the pinstripers. We started talking, and I said, whatever happened to Greg Whitman? My buddy goes, he's right over there. And I walked over there, and I went, Greg Whitman. Now, I look completely different than I did 
30 years ago. Sure. Don't we all? <laughs> he looks at me Jake, and goes, sir. I told you to stay out of my neighborhood. <laughs> well, we, we, we can't put a better ending to it than that, but we don't want you to stay out of our neighborhood. We want you to come back and, and tell one, us more. One more story? One more story. This okay. Classic. Lived in Chicago, and you know, when you open Hot Rod magazines, oh, yeah. you used to see Big Daddy Rock. All his T-shirts and books on how to pin trails. So I called that number, mm-hmm. and the phone picks up. This was on a Sunday. I called. The phone picks up. It's this little old lady. Hello. And I hear something running in the background. Uh-huh. And I'm like, um, I'm not sure if I had the right number. Well, what can I help you with? I'm calling to get these books from for Big Daddy Ruff. Oh, hold on. Ed, Ed. And the motor stopped. And he answers the phone. And he answers the phone. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) he goes, hey, how's it going? Who's this? I said, Larry Conway out of Chicago. Oh, how you doing today? Fine. Good. What can I help you with? Well, I'd like to get this book on how to pinstrap and how did this lettering get to that? He goes, all right. He says, sounds good. He says, "Uh, do you pinstripe? I said, yeah. He said, um, what, what's your name? You, you, do you have a, a name you use? I said, yeah. They call me the kid. Because when I first started out, that's what everybody called me the kid. He goes, all right, well, I'll get these things out to you right away. I said, uh, I really appreciate it. And Ed goes off in his goofy voice like Ratfink yeah. used to. And he hangs up. Two years later, I have another good friend of mine, Rick Bendinelli, Bendy. He calls me on that. This is the days before cell phones and, oh, sure, and yeah. all that. He's screaming at me. Where were you last night? I said, what are you talking about? He said, I hung out all night long with Big Daddy Roth over at Steven Signs. They're doing a rat bank party tomorrow. You've got to come up here. And I was like, oh, boy. I missed the opportunity of a lifetime to hang out with him. So I go show up at the show. And uh, what he does, what Ed Roth does, uh, used to do at all these shows, they would take the uh, oil cans, paint them up, rat pink them up, let artists sign it and do whatever they wanted to. So I walk in, and there stood Ed. This man was huge. I mean, he looked eight foot nine. He reached to grab my hand, to shake my hand. He had hands like catcher's mitts. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> biggest paws I've ever seen in my life. And this was this was a painter, pinstriper, all that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I never. Sh- yeah. Yeah, I didn't know he was a, a big guy. Yeah, he shakes my hand, and uh, he says, how are you doing today? I said, fine. He said, and who are you? I said, Conway. And he goes, the kid. And I went, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, you called me. It was Sunday. I was mowing the lawn. This was two years after I had done that. He wow. had that kind of a memory. And I was wow. like, that's phenomenal to me. It just blew my mind. So that was my brush with greatness. Your brush? <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, no, every pun intended. All every, right, every <laughs> pun intended. Well, thanks for uh, being here on Bud's Garage Overdrive. Uh, this is we're going to. Anytime you heard him. Tim, last week we talked about small block Chevy pulley systems from Concept One here in Cumming, Georgia. And we talked about the Victory systems. They have 
basically with your Chevrolets and, and some of the other ones, they have Victory, Basic, and Driver Series. Mm -hmm. And they all involve different styles of pulleys and things like that. The Victory is the Mac Daddy. It's got all the, the show-looking stuff. And they offer a system uh, that just has the alternator available. They offer one that's got the alternator in the power steering or the alternator in the AC. Mm -hmm. And then you can get all three of them, uh, you know, in the the top series. And the prices go from the alternator series being a $1,395. Now, what that's going to give you is your alternator, your idler pulley, and your pulleys to go on the water pump and the crankshaft. And then you can go up to the alternator and power steering, uh, add another 500 bucks to that. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to the alternator and air conditioner, same price, $1,895. Or you can get it all for $2,345. No hunting for pulleys in the junkyard. Yeah. Use a serpentine belt. Right. Everything fits, and it looks beautiful. That's a bargain. I've used them so many times, and there, there's no other place to, to go to. Oh, sure. Just uh, Concept One, check them out online, and uh, give them a call and tell them what you're doing, and they'll work with you on a system. Okay. Great stuff. Made right here in Georgia. Wow. I love that. In the good old USA. Perfect reaction time. We just got done interviewing Larry. The brush man. Yeah. Uh, obviously a dying art. Oh, yeah. And he's he's done it all. I mean, he's just he's just done it all. What, what were your thoughts on, on some of the things he told us, some of the stories he told us? I mean, you know, talking to Ed Roth and things like that, those are those are people I remember from back right, in the day. Right, right, right. If you were in the car culture at all back in the 60s, and uh, well, 60s mostly, and moving on, I mean, those were the guys that everybody thought about uh geez i wish i could do what he does or i wish i could meet the guy and stuff and here he is he met him and picked up the things that he knew and and, and there he's doing it himself and yep. he does beautiful oh, work oh gosh yeah oh yeah now you know who you're talking to him though i was thinking of a lot of parallels between what he does in upholstery because you don't have you don't have guys beating the door down to come and work in the upholstery shop and no. Larry says there's not a lot of young guys. With, with graphics and stuff that are out there now you can do on the computer and things. Sure. There's not a lot of call like there was back in the day because now if you need lettering for your race car or if you need your race car painted, you just, you know, you don't paint it. You put a wrap on it. Right. So how does that kind of parallel with what you do at the upholstery well, shop? Well, this is, this is where the people who are attracted to businesses like Larry's and like mine are what we term... Uh, self-starters you have a dream you have an idea you've you've got an artistic mind maybe you you know like you don't think you can draw or anything or but you can use material in a sewing machine much like with Larry well he can draw and he's got a brush and a can of paint and you know do the refrigerator at his mom's house <laughs> well you but you you were talking back in the early days you learned upholstery from being in the motor pool and with the Air Force. Right. That's where you get your start, and then you get the basics of the trade and how to use the equipment, and then you take off with that on your own and use your imagination to make whatever you can dream up in your mind. So what are, what are, the, what are the folks that influenced you when you first got into the upholstery business? I mean, Larry had, you know, uh, people like Ed Roth and, and, and folks like that. I mean, these are, you know names that all of us knew did you have upholsters that you uh, 
kind of followed, or did you just see it in the magazines? Or? Magazines, Rod and Custom. I was heavy reading Rod and Custom all every the rolled and pleated month, stuff all the and rolled all the... and pleated and diamond tuck and buttons and headliners and the way that things were carefully bound on the carpet and how neat everything looked. And uh, You just thought, I want to do that. Yeah, right, right. Hmm. Well, even before I went into the military, Dan, you remember the uh, orange Volkswagen Carmen Ghia that I had? Yeah, yeah, I bought it brand new. And, you know, you feel your way along in this artistic phase. And the first thing I did was took out the cheap Volkswagen carpet that was in it and used each piece as a pattern to draw out a piece of shag carpet. Well, <laughs> and, why not? Because yeah. it was 1974 and shag carpet was in. Yeah. So and I did it in a beautiful shag carpet. I remember Slim was like, oh, no, you no, that's wrong. Slim was your buddy from West Virginia. Yeah, yeah right. He was, cool. Dan and I and Slim were all hanging out together uh, at the time. All right. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a very interesting uh, interview for sure. Well, sure. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just great to see guys like that still around. Mm. And, um, you know, he hopes to pass it on. He's got some young protégés that he's, you know, taught it to and. I hope it keeps going. Well, and I think there's a resurgence of young people that are interested in keeping things like this going. I mean, I've managed to find a couple of them in my trade to teach that are really interested in learning more than they are about making the money. They understand that they've got to learn how to do the work first before they can really get in there. And I'm giving them an opportunity. Um, in my point of view is... I'm paying you to teach you when really you should be paying me to teach you, but that's not how it works in our country. So I'm willing to do that if someone's really willing to take, yeah, take on. Take it on and go with it. Yeah. Right, and roll with it. And you're yeah. changing their life. Well. You know, you're changing their life. Yeah, I know. I'll pay for that someday. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, if you're pinstriping a classic car with Larry, you might be restoring one. And uh, where are we going to get restoration parts and, uh, you know, keep American performance going. Well, we go to the muscle car experts at year one in Cornelia, Georgia. And that is true, always. And they are having a wheel sale right now, and they have 17-inch uh, wheels for your muscle car. What I didn't understand, what I didn't realize was they have got all the different styles of wheels for all the different types of cars, like the Magnum wheel. Mm -hmm. It wasn't only on Mopars. It right. was on Mustangs. It was on, you know, a, a, a plethora of cars. Right. And they've got those available for all the different cars. Same with the Pontiac Rally and the snow, Snowflake wheels, the Mopar Rally wheels, mm -hmm. uh, the Honeycomb wheels, five-spoke Corvette rallies. Okay. Uh, you know, they have truck wheels, uh, SS, uh, SS2 wheels from your Shipper Sport era. And the cool thing about these wheels, they don't have trim rings and stuff on them. Everything's all made in billet. And right, the, you know, and they're uh, seventeen inch, eighteen. Seventeen, inch. yeah. So, yeah. well, these this particular sale is on seventeen, 17 inch wheel inch. kits, and you can get the center caps and all that. Don't get wheels without getting new center caps. Right, a, a customer just brought in a sixty-seven GTO with those wheels uh, that look like original Pontiac wheels, but like you say, no trim rings. It's all billet. It's polished. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But it's subtle, you know, to look at it like you and me. Yeah. <laughs> You and, <laughs> you and me we are so subtle sometimes anyway check out what year one has to offer uh they're restoring american performance one part at a time 
Uh, put in Bud 20, and depending on the part and the specials that are going on, you may get a 20% discount. Okay. And that can be huge. Oh, yes, it Let me can. tell you. Year1.com. Let's thank our producer, Bill Wilson. Lanier Technical College, Year 1, Concept 1 Pulley Systems, and uh, all of you folks that are tuning in. You know, we've got, uh, we've got several of these podcasts going now, and we're going to continue through the, through the year. And you can listen to any of, any of them from the first one to the one you just listened to. And, uh, you know, we got more to come. Right. Next week's podcast, internationally known couple Andy and Pooja Duff. Oh, yeah. Color Works by Duff. It is going to be a fun time. Uh, they're a great couple, and they work together much like you and your wife do in the upholstery business. So right, and we, they do some fabulous work. And let's not forget we want to... Thank Larry Conway, the brush man, for taking of his time and coming in and telling us about history. Oh, yeah. Pinstriping and all the great stuff. Don't forget about Bud's Garage's radio show on Terrestrial Radio. Uh, it is on WDUN out of Gainesville, Georgia. It features local guests and their expertise. Uh, it's a little shorter version of the show. And, uh, you know, we do it every week. So you have topics that are up to date. Absolutely. Okay. Anything else? No, that, you're that's good. It. Yeah. All right, let's remember to keep between the ditches, shiny side up. We'll see you next week right here, Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast.